Hello everyone, welcome to Forever Firm. My name is Kayla Whiteford. Thank you, thank you, thank you for deciding to listen to this. It really means a lot to me. You know, I'm just gonna roll right into what I have for you guys today because I don't have, I didn't have any 1040 thoughts <laughs> this week. So I'm just gonna roll right into it. Hello everyone. So like I said, yes, it's a little longer today, but you know, just stick with me because it'll be worth it. And this stuff is just so important to know. And yeah, listen, I understand. Yeah, my topic this week, it is very random, very out of the blue. But when I started the podcast, I said, you know, I'm going to record. I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. And, you know, he really set this topic on my heart after I read an Instagram post. So, you know, I was mindlessly scrolling and whatever, and I came across this post that said where where we're going to be in five billion years. And I was like, okay, don't think the Earth's going to last five billion years. It's not. But I was like, let's see what they say. You know, I don't know. So I looked it up and it said three billion years from now, the sun is going to expand and all life on Earth is going to stop existing as we know it. Here's the thing. Life is not going to end that way. Revelation would say if it did. And also just think about it. Three billion, that is such a big number. Like astronomically big. So that, you know, that kind of got me thinking. I was like, hmm, how old do scientists say the earth is now? Because it's always changing. Some new science will come up and they'll be like, sorry, we were wrong last time. So this, this number's right. And I was like, okay, what number are they saying now? I'm going to look it up. So this is what Google says. Today we know from radiometric dating that the Earth is about 4.5 billion years old. Had naturalists in the 1700s and 1800s known Earth's true age, early ideas about evolution might have been taken more seriously. And, you know, it says that because up until the 1800s, Everyone just believed the Bible and the creation story. Now, they might not have believed it was exactly seven days. They might have believed in the gap theory, which I will bring up later. But everyone just believed that there had to be a creator and that something can't, couldn't come from nothing. And I think a big thing where we really went wrong was when we look at the radiometric dating. And, you know, as you start to look into it, you'll find that this method is really just not accurate at all. And I just kind of wanted to give you a basic explanation of what radiometric dating is. So basically how it works is you got some carbon atoms. A carbon atom contains six electrons, six neutrons, but the protons in the middle can vary from seven to eight or nine. And this gives carbon three different variations. You've got carbon 12, carbon 13, and carbon 14. Well, as we all know, scientists are so great at naming things. So basically what happens is when the nuclei or the middle of the carbon gets too big, it can become radioactive and become unstable. So in order for it to stay stable, it'll eject some of its neutrons and protons, turning it into a completely different element than what it was. That process, it's called radioactive decay. So the atom that the carbon turns into, it's called the daughter atom. Even though the carbon atom and the daughter atom, they have the exact same significance. So geologists, they'll use five different atom parents and what those atom parents turn into to date the rocks. 
fun facts, they don't use carbon to date rocks because carbon isn't in rocks. It's very rarely in rocks. So they can't rely on carbon to date rocks. So what they do next is they use a machine to determine how many parent atoms there are and how many daughter atoms there are. They then use the rate at how quickly the parent atoms change into daughter atoms to determine how old the rock basically is. Now, this seems like it should be a solid case, but there's just a couple of problems that scientists don't take into account. First problem, scientists assume, they, they assume how many parent atoms there were originally. So they have their specimen and they just assume that the number they have now is the number that they, that was in the rock back when it was created or whatever. Um, and that, that's not true because environments change, things, things just change. Number two, scientists, they assume that the atoms changed at a constant rate and they weren't affected by outside factors. If they assume one atom changes every million years, then I don't know how many carbon atoms there are, how many daughter atoms, that'd be like a certain amount of millions of years. But things change at different rates. You can't guess, you can't say, oh, this atom, we're going to have another atom change in a million years, write it down to the people after I'm dead, then they'll know. And that, that doesn't just work that way. And then number three, they assume that the daughter atoms were only produced by radioactive decay. They don't take into account any other factors like floods or groundwater that can could that could contaminate the sample that they have. So that's just a couple of basic problems that exist with carbon dating or radi radiometric dating. And I really think that's just where we went wrong. But thankfully, we have the never ending never changing truth right with us. And with a little bit of study on our genealogies that are written in the Bible, we can really determine how old the earth actually is. So the number I'm about to tell you, it may seem small because yes, I've just been listing off a lot of massive numbers, but it's estimated that the earth is only 6,000 years old. And here's what's so cool is that the Bible is never, never ending, never changing, and we can trust it in the past, present, or the future. So the Bible wouldn't be able to straight out say, okay, the earth is 6,000 years old, because 2,000 years later, that wouldn't be accurate, and we wouldn't be able to trust it. And the Bible could be proven wrong. So how, how do we know that it's 6,000 years old? All right, well, in the very, very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse 2, it says, the earth was out form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here's the thing. Earth was created on day one. The thing is, it didn't have any personality or any character, didn't have plants, didn't have animals, but it was still there. So we know that the earth was created on the first day. So if we start, if we take Genesis 5 through 11, and we start looking at all the genealogies that were documented, if we go from Adam to Abraham, a lot of scholars, either Christian or secular, believe that Abraham lived in 2000 BC, which is 4,000 years ago. So when you take Adam to Abraham, for Abraham to Jesus, from Jesus to now, 
we get about 6,000 years. And honestly, for me, when I first heard that, I was like, that doesn't seem real because I had just heard so many times in my life that the earth was millions and billions of years old. I knew it wasn't because I grew up with people telling me it wasn't, but I just didn't know the exact estimate. I was expecting it to be bigger than six or, um, I said bigger. I can't think of the word now. Larger? (laughs) I don't know. I was just expecting it to be larger, I guess. I I was expecting more years than just 6,000. And it was kind of the mentality where I was like, okay, well, here's the thing. I know it's not millions of years old. I don't know how old it is, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that it's not millions of years old and move on with my life. I never looked into it and never studied how old it actually was. So I mentioned before the gap theory, and this is a big thing with Christians and the days of creation, because a lot of people believe that there are millions of years in between each day. And like I said, it's called the gap theory because they think there's a massive gap in between each day. And it's so, so, so important that you know the days of creation were actually seven days and not millions of years. And I'll explain why later, but I just want to give you about four proofs that show the gap theory can't be true. All right, so after every day that's mentioned, it says there was evening and there was morning. And then it says the third or fourth or fifth or sixth day. So in Genesis 1, 5, B, it says God called the, ah, sorry, it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. In verse 7, or verse 8, B, it says, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. So it mentions evening, morning, and then what number it was. And you don't have evening, morning, You don't have millions of years in between that. That's just not how time works. Number two, plants are on, plants were created on the third day. Genesis 1.11 says, And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its own kind on the earth. And it was so. So plants were created day three. But we look back on verse two. Verse three, I'm sorry, I'm getting my verses mixed up. We look back on verse three and it says, and God said, let there be light and there was light. It doesn't say anything about the sun. So we get to verse, we get to day three and the sun has still not been created. And here's the thing, plants can't go millions of years without the sun. Yes, God has supernatural power and he could have kept the plants alive because of that power, but God is also behind science. And in science, Plants can't stay alive without the sun. So on the fourth day, the sun was created. And the plants, yeah, they can go a night without the sun. Number three, it is about the Hebrew word yom. And that means a day or a period of time. And where this argument comes from is in Psalms. I don't know what chapter or verse, but in Psalms, David mentions the word yom, meaning a period of time. So in Hebrew, when yom is translated to English, it can either mean day or a period of time. So people were thinking that it was mistranslated and it was really supposed to be a period of time. But the Bible specifies that it was morning and then evening. And here's 
here's the super, super cool part. In the rest of the Bible, if you hear the word evening associated with the word yom, it only stands for one day. If you hear the word morning associated with the word yom in the whole Bible, means one day. But if you hear morning and evening and the word yom associated with each other, again, means one day. So people are taking, they're just taking this word and they're overthinking things because you can't have evening and then morning and have millions of years in between. So I really think God put in evening and morning and his extra, as like an extra security measure because he knew we would kind of try and twist the words. And I think, I really think that was him being like, listen, no, there's, there's not millions of years in between this. And then the fourth one is a little simple, but it makes sense too. Our seven day week, it literally comes from creation itself. We have on the seventh day, the Lord rested. We know we have a seven, we have a, we have a day specified for rest. So then here's the thing. Really, why does this matter? Well, Ken Ham, he summarized it absolutely perfectly. And I just want to read, I just want to read this to you. This is from his um, video series he did. It's called The Foundations. I have the, I have the participant guide. I did a Bible study with this and I just loved it. Blew me away. It was so good. And this is what he says. Salvation is not conditioned upon the age of the earth or the days of creation, but it's conditioned upon faith in Christ. And where does the message of Jesus come from? The word of God. And if you can't trust the word of God over here, why should you be able to trust it over there? Man, I just love that quote because he summarizes it so perfectly. Satan has tried to corrupt the first 11 chapters of the Bible, because that is where we get our foundation for the whole Bible. If we can start questioning what the Bible says about when it was created, and we can question how many days, how long it actually took, then he can start making us question how we get to heaven, how, how we earn our salvation. And he can start making you think, oh, maybe I just can get to heaven through good works. Maybe I can do this and get into heaven. And Satan won't just flat out refuse God. He'll just make you start questioning. So in Genesis number three, chapter three, I'm just going to read this verse. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, here's the thing. He didn't say, oh, Eve, you should eat it. D just do it. He said, did God actually say? All he did was get Eve to question God's words. And that's what I really think he's doing now. He's having us question God's word. He's coming up and he's being like, is it really seven days? Because that seems a little ridiculous, you know? It'd be much easier if he could do it in like seven million years, you know? He's just getting us to start questioning the first 11 chapters. And it, uh, it's just, this is why knowing this is so important. Because if you fully trust the Bible here, and if you fully trust that it's a seven-day week, 
or if seven, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. If the world was created in seven days and you trust the whole Bible, you can trust the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. But if you don't trust the first couple of chapters, then the rest of the Bible isn't trustworthy. If you don't think the first couple of chapters are trustworthy, then you shouldn't trust the rest of the Bible. So it is so important to know and to understand all of this because this is where our foundations are being ruined. This is where we have people saying they can get to heaven through good works. And it's because they didn't trust one part of the Bible and Satan came in and made them not trust another part. I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy in the church surrounding how many days of creation there were because pastors will stand in front of their whole congregation and they will willingly say, I don't know if it was the gap theory. I don't know if it was millions of years. I don't know if there was just a big bang, but believe in Jesus. And yeah, believing in Jesus, it's so important. But the thing is, is if if you have a pastor standing in front of a congregation willingly saying, I don't know. I don't know. I can't trust the Bible about that. It was only six literal days of creation. Then you're going to have a lot of confused minds. You're going to have a lot of people saying, oh, well, if I can't trust the Bible here, I can't trust it there. And I think that's where we go wrong with this is that it's just so important to know that you know that you can trust the Bible through and through. So I hope this helped you just a little bit understand that Yeah, this stuff is important to know. And it's also important to give a defense about this stuff. And it's important that if you have someone asking, oh, well, how old the earth is, it's so important that you can say it's this old and have actual proof to back you up. All right. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. It really, really, truly means a lot to me. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Answers in Genesis and their articles, Radiometric Dating Back to the Basics, along with How Old is the Earth. Both of those articles are just so good. And I'm not a scientist by any means. So they were both very helpful in finding the information for this podcast. But then along with Eternal Perspective Ministries and their article, What Can You Tell Me About the Hebrew Word for Day used in the Genesis 1 creation account? What is the proof for it being a literal day? That article was really helpful as well. And I really encourage you to go check check those articles out and just do some digging for yourself. Anyway, if you guys want to find me, I am on Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash foreverfirm. I am also on Spotify, and I just opened up Apple Podcasts, so that's available for you as well. And then also, I am on Instagram. It's foreverfirm3. And then I have a Gmail account as well, and that's foreverfirm5 at gmail.com. Last thing, if you guys felt like sharing this episode, that would be so great. That would just mean the world to me, but you are not obligated to at all. Anyway, thank you guys for listening, and remember – that the purpose of the Lord stands firm forever. Have a great week.